The curtain opens. The lights go up. Those first few notes of magic. The crew that brings it all to you is here to tell you what it's like to live the backstage life. This is Show Call. Hey everyone, welcome to Show Call. I'm your host, Chad Allen. With me today is R90 Operations Manager, James McKenna. How you doing, James? I am fantastic, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. Thanks for being here. Happy to help. Yeah. So, Operations Manager for, um, I mean, we talked to Joe Cole, owner of R90. What is a day in the life, James, uh, here at R90? Well, it's, I spend, I spend quite a lot of time here. Uh, my job is basically to oversee everything from from uh, our our order system yeah. to uh, executing our show calls, trucking, logistics, uh, HR, mm-hmm. IT. It's kind of an expanded operations management role yeah. in that okay. in that sense. It's it's sort of unusual. We we assigned it that title because that was the closest thing we had come up with. Yeah, but uh, it's more or less. Whatever Joe can't take care of is what I sort of deal with. So you're pointing, directing, yeah, trucks from employees, you know, from right after the sales have been made, mm-hmm. uh, getting our equipment on site, getting getting crew on site, uh, making yeah. sure orders are correct, and that that our clients have yeah. everything they need, that kind of stuff. And you have to, I'm sure, answer a lot uh, to the promoter to the tour, mm-hmm. making sure the needs are fulfilled. Yeah, my phone uh, doesn't stop ringing. Yeah. Uh, except for right now. <laughs> it hasn't yeah. rung for a while. It's a bit It's a bit eerie. Yeah. Uh, but but generally, yeah, it's... Uh, and then once we once we are on site, then then my, my role uh, usually transitions to being our on-site representative mm-hmm. uh, as needs arise for equipment or, okay. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So... About how many trucks does it take to get your gear from the warehouse to the concert venue? Um, arena, yeah. stadium, or so, not stadium, but you know what I mean, average arena size show. At the size that we're at now, uh, we were averaging during the summer festival season roughly uh, two to three 53-foot trailers. Full of, of gear. Full of gear. Um, for the smaller wow. stuff, the more the more corporate events, uh, you know, we have a, a small fleet of, yeah. of 26-foot box trucks. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it's it's quite an operation. And you get you receive the list of what the tour needs and what the show needs, and you've got to make sure that checklist is, yeah. Yeah, you know, to in order to compete with with you know the national uh, vendors that provide equipment to, mm-hmm. to tours and whatnot. Yeah, you you need to make sure that all your T's are crossed and I's are dotted yeah. because they, they've come to expect that level of professionalism. Yeah. So we, we strive to achieve that yeah. as best we can. Yeah. And then, and you've got loaders here to make sure that all gets. Yeah. I have a full complement of warehouse staff. Um, yeah. You know, my, my shop manager down to just, you know, loaders, sorters, uh, QC department to make sure, you know, as gear comes back from, from shows, uh, it's serviced and and so that when we send it back out we know it'll work yeah um 
And you have a repair section in here too, yes, right? Yes, we do. We also have a repair department, um, a full sales complement. There's about five full-time sales reps that work here. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a rotating list of, uh, I think, five or so truck drivers mm-hmm. for our for our 26-foot fleet. Yeah. Um, and then you know, then the assortment of of stagehands and and people that we we contract out with uh, to be on site to to actually okay. build it. Yeah. And so when it gets to the venue. Are you there to you're there to retrieve it? I'm I'm assuming. For the most part, uh, yeah. Uh, it depends. You know, during the summer, during our busy season, uh, there's so much going on here that I'm actually not there. Uh, for our very large scale events, uh, I usually uh, end up on site once everything has has ended up at the location, uh, just to act as a, a liaison between the warehouse and sure. the, the show site. Uh, as well as uh, offering any any assistance I can to you know help get the rig up in the air that kind of thing. Yep. And are you ever at a show to oversee, making sure that your gear that that you loaded into the trucks gets where it needs to be at the show? You know, hung up in the air and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, a lot less these days. As we've grown, my my role has sort of become much more administrative and, yeah. and overseeing. You know, because we have. On, on a good week, you know, six or seven different things going on simultaneously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can't be at one place and, you know, I need to be staring at screens. Yeah. Which, you know, getting into this industry was my worst nightmare was I wanted to get away from staring at computer screens. Yeah. And, and uh, so somehow I, I looped back around. Yeah. Because yeah. you could be having multiple shows going on in one day, right? Yes. And you yeah. need to be here to make sure. Yeah. And and we're you know we'll have our trucks making making loops between various venues uh, in the in the greater King County area. Wow. Uh, so it's it's sort of you know from like eight a.m. until nine p.m. roughly usually Jeez. is how that goes. Yeah. So. So when you're on site, when you're able to get on site at a show, what does that day look like for you? That. It is, it is, every day is a new adventure. Yeah. So it really depends. There are some days that things go really well. Yep. And, uh, you know, all the, all the, the machine is functioning quite properly. Mm-hmm. All the different departments have communicated and we have everything we need on site. There's other right. days where we're throwing a curveball, be it, you know, um, the, the, the rider we were sent by the tour didn't yep. match the specs that we, you know the venue specs or whatever and what we were providing doesn't line up with that and then that's when we have to sort of adapt to to yeah. make sure that the show can still happen and yeah. you know the the one thing that i i really pride myself in is since i've worked at this company we have never failed to deliver a show wow and uh and we've done quite a few of them yeah so in how many years uh, I've been here for seven years. What? How many shows would you guess that that is? So, I am going to say, based on, I was actually just looking at our counts here recently, and I think it's somewhere in the range of 7,040 shows in the last... And and that that just you know it's not all arena shows and, and it's, it's corporate you know, it's, gigs. Corporate it's, gigs. Sure, it's, any uh, I mean small you know office parties and that kind of stuff. They're but all important. I mean that's it's our livelihood. It's, yeah, you know people think that that what really sustains us are these these large festivals and whatnot. And really, what our bread and butter is 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 uh, 
you know these these more corporate sure events that yeah. you know they they keep us going through the winter yeah uh and it allows us to do these really fun large-scale festivals yeah uh so they're all they're all equally important in my eye absolutely the show happens every all of your gear that you've loaded into the trucks it's all hung up and the show's going on mm -hmm. right and you've had a successful show that all comes down comes back to the warehouse directly after the show usually yeah so we we load in for for the like 90 percent of the shows we we load in six seven o'clock in the morning uh the show is uh, by the time the LD shows up to, to flash his rig from the tour or whatever, that's usually about noon, one o'clock. So the rig is up in the air, ready to go. Doors are usually around five or six, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, mm -hmm. and then show goes till, let's say, 1130 midnight. Okay. Uh, we are back with our trucks uh, usually about one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. Yep. Uh, and then we are back here at our shop. Uh, we usually unload the trucks that night. Occasionally it gets very late or early in the morning. Yeah, yeah you're talking like 3, 4 a.m. So right? we will lock them up um, and then come back first thing in the morning uh, and unload them, sort them, flip them, and send them right back out the door. Okay, so they after the show they get here and you just leave the trucks locked for a little bit? We try not to. Okay. We try to we try to unload them as soon as they get back, but but sometimes and circumstances that unload happens around two or th or three or four. Three in the or morning. four in the morning. Yeah. Wow, and you're hustling getting those trucks unloaded. Yeah. Sleep for I have three hours. <laughs> an amazing couch here. <laughs> I and was gonna say. So we will sleep occasionally when we're really busy. There's some yeah some group nap time here yeah. from the hours <laughs> of like four o'clock until you know about eight nine o'clock in the morning and then depending on when the gear has to go back out again, because a lot of our higher demand gear, you know, there's, when we're really busy, there's a lot of turnaround. So we have to get that QC'd and checked in yep. and then checked right back out to whatever it's going on, right back out on the trucks. I mean, are you testing every light first before it goes right back out to a gig? Yes. Wow. Um, all, I, with the exception of our LED PARs, and we usually send spares of those because we just have I a mean, plethora of them, yeah. but those those have a pretty long lifespan. Yeah. It's it's usually just like our, our moving heads that, mm -hmm. that we, we make sure yeah. are working and that kind of stuff. It's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, it's better than sitting in a cubicle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, I, it's, I, it's yeah, an adventure. I, I it's It's funny because I'll find myself like, cursing the world yeah and you know we'll do like weeks on end of this or something yeah. uh you know july august that kind of thing and then and then when it's over i just find myself longing for you know december yeah. hits january hits and i'm like man i wish i wish i had something yeah. to do like, <laughs> i know we have, we have those couple months of downtime and that drives us crazy i mean this is this this downtime is yeah, unreal. But I think what's what's really cool about this line of work is is I was able to take my my passion and my hobby for yeah. uh, live event lighting and turn it into a career. And so getting up and getting to go to the thing I love doing more than anything else in life uh, is really I'm incredibly fortunate for that. Yeah. So it's hard to stay upset, yeah. you know, for very long when that's that's. Every day is a new adventure. Yeah. And plus you're human. There's going to be things that, that frustrate you. Absolutely. You know. And it's, it's incredibly taxing on, you know, uh, a family life or you know, relationships, that yeah. kind of stuff. But yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what got you started into lighting? What sparked that, that passion? Nepotism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my dad actually, uh, is a, is a television producer and he got me started, uh, in the grip and lighting department, uh, for the TV shows he was working on. Um, and I sort of fell in love with it and, and less so for the art of it and more because of how hardworking I found like these people get satisfaction from their jobs. Yep. And I, I found this, I had been kind of a lazy, lazy kid, uh, growing up, uh, not very motivated. And, um, I found this new sense of enjoyment of like getting home and my head would hit the pillow and I'd fall asleep from just being so worn out from how hard we worked that day. And then wake up the next day and feel like, shit, let's go do it again. Yeah. You know? Um, so that, and I, I had a really supportive, uh, upbringing growing up my my mom used to let us order one item from the oriental trading company catalog every yeah. year uh for every holiday yeah. and uh so i would always order the the goofy lights um yeah. and uh let's see it got to the point it got so bad that i had so many lights in my bedroom that my mom actually had to have uh an electrician come out and i ended up getting my own separate panel for my bedroom <laughs> I've never heard of that before. That is no. So yeah, yeah, so I had like a stoplight in there, like but not like the novelty ones, like one from they had taken down to replace with something else, and and that kind. It drew a lot of power. So she actually (laughs) she got so tired of me blowing the breakers that that she put my own panel in. So that was that helped. Yeah. And then uh, you know I got tired of doing the talking head interview style stuff that a lot of the film world does. So a lot of like. without naming company names, you know, they'll have their, their CEO come do a statement to the company and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And it just, you know, I'd always had this passion for stage lighting, but I, I never knew how to get into that line of work. And yeah. I ended up being uh, drinking buddies with uh, the guitarist for a band called KMFDM. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And they told me they hated their lighting guy and uh, had fired him and, hey, you have lights, right? And at the time I had no idea what I was doing. Like yeah. totally not qualified for that, but it was like I had grown up listening to this band and holy shit. Yeah. So I said yes. I learned how to run a console on the bus and <laughs> the first few shows there's footage of it that I can't watch because it's it's a pretty shameful display. <laughs> uh but I got along with them well enough and, and ultimately I ended up renting a, a piece of equipment from my, my now current boss and that's how we sort of got going. Mm-hmm. Um and then we sort of built this out of a storage unit yeah. going forward. Wow. Um, so in seven years, we've actually grown quite a lot. It's been... A storage unit that's, what, a 12 by 12? No, it was, it was mean, a bit it was, bigger than that. It was, yeah. it was this warehouse space, and I forget how big it was, but it was not much bigger than, like, the floor space of... Mm-hmm. I can't... I don't know how to describe this without visuals, but that conference room, this... Well, yeah. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? So, yeah, absolutely, because... I mean, what's the square footage of the of this warehouse right now? I don't. Sixteen hundred. Sixteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, Joe huge. and I had that conversation actually about something else. That I'm was glad. Yeah, because so I get asked that a lot. So that's a lot I of growth. No idea at this point. We we yeah. kept we started with one bay here. We didn't even have the upstairs, and then every year we just opened up a new bay. Yeah. And luckily, the building was uh, happy enough to keep expanding it for us. Yeah. Um, to the point where we would just open up 4,000 square feet every year. 
Um, wow. So it, it took off kind of overnight, which was great. Yeah. So the warehouse total, including this office, the bay, like all of that, that's how many thousand square feet? You know what? I'm not sure that that was in, that he was including up here. We were just talking just everything. So it's, yeah, it's I a think huge it's place. just the warehouse. Yeah. yeah. It's a huge, it's a huge space. So that's, I feel like that's I should quite, know this, but that's quite know. a step up. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was big. We we moved here to get away from the trains because <laughs> they they would block Fourth Avenue. Oh yeah, uh, okay. we were over on Lander, and then uh, there's, there's trains here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Is there a um, a venue in mind for you that's it's like, hell yeah, we're going to that venue. So the Gorge yeah. is the most beautiful venue I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still remember the first time I, I ever went there um, and coming over the ridge uh, to get down to the main stage. Mm-hmm. And you finally see, you know, overlooking the Columbia Gorge there and whatnot. Yeah. And it, it so happened that the military was doing flybys while I was. So it was this whole... Yeah. spectacle even though there wasn't a show at that moment happening yeah. but it was it i remember being just like stunned by how incredible yeah this place was yeah so that for me is every year i look forward to to the the events we do out there yeah um because it's kind of like i get to go vacation at work yeah like yeah. we still bust our ass but it it yeah it's so worth it because it's i'm not in a in a dank warehouse yeah. or you know i'm <laughs> yeah. out in nature and there's yeah and getting to see the 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 reaction from the people that come to our shows and yep just the enjoyment even though they they you know a lot of them don't even piece together that like we there's any involvement with us right it's just yep. the satisfaction of like we helped create these memories for these people yeah. that's it's kind of a powerful thing it is so that cuz but once that sun and it's always a beautiful sunset and once that sun goes down i mean it is just the show it's all about the show you can't really see any more of the the valley and all right. that stuff then it's then that's when you <laughs> really that's, come in yeah oh hey guys we we yeah. di- we did a thing too <laughs> yeah uh yeah that's really good and you know like for the events like you know like uh there's you know paradiso and mm-hmm. there used to be i don't know if it's still there but um or like watershed yeah uh, you know, they, they run all day. So you, sure. you get that really nice juxtaposition of, you know, day turning to night. You get that beautiful sunset over the horizon behind the main stage. And then, and then the, the lights start to make sense and, yeah. and you get, you know, cause it, they're always there even in the daytime and when the sun's out. Oh yeah. But, but you really see it. It's mostly you, know, you hit the strobes, when, you know, cause you yeah. can kind of see those during the day, but everything yeah. else, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> why yeah. bother? Yeah. What was the uh, what was the last show that you worked? I don't know. <laughs> I know it was it was in March, and I unfortunately these days I don't get to work a whole lot of shows because I'm I'm here overseeing everything. What was the last thing you had to like send it out, you know, and get ready? Yeah. For it? God, that would have been. So after like seven thousand ish shows or whatever we're up to, <laughs> know, it's, it's the it's same kind show. Of a blur, yeah. It's all the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it just... It Actually, you know what? I can tell you the last thing I worked. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. 
We got commissioned to uh, so so basically with the COVID uh, restrictions on on entertainment and whatnot, the casinos have have actually taken a big hit because the indoor gaming is is prohibited. Right. So the way they've gotten around this is they've all well, a lot of them have been building these tents in their in their uh, parking lots. Yeah. And we were contracted to come in and, and rig truss grids in these party tents mm-hmm. so that they could hang their security cameras over their card tables. Yeah. So we did, uh, it's not like a specific event, but it was, a, it was about 16 different casinos between you know, King County and uh, uh, Yakima. Okay. Um, so that was the last thing I worked. That was a couple weeks ago. And that was, a, that was an anomaly. Okay, yeah. Um, as far as, you know, thing, we, we essentially shut down and laid everybody off or furloughed them in March. Okay. And that, so yeah. Wow. How's that been since? Which part? Everybody being laid off since March. Okay. Has, Has anybody been able to come back at all? Yeah. So, uh, luckily for us, uh, we did qualify for uh, Washington State's uh, work share program, okay. which allows us allows allows all our, our employees to be on unemployment. And uh, when work arises, we can bring them back in, and their their working with us doesn't impact their employment okay. eligibility or their unemployment yeah. eligibility, right? Yeah. So. Because uh, that was a big concern was, you know, if yeah. we get any sort of gig, we're going to need people and yeah. they'll get kicked right off of their unemployment. Right. Yeah. Um, so we we really lucked out with that one. And that's been great. And what we've been trying to do is sort of cycle bringing people back in so that, you know, because a lot of our people are now really getting into it into a mm-hmm. very dangerous situation yeah. where they're, you know, they're going to lose their homes. Um, yeah. Or they've all had to go find new jobs and there aren't that many available and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That brings me to the last thing I want to ask you is if, if you have a government official in front of you that's making these decisions on, on the shutdown, uh, what would you like to say to them? I think it's an incredibly complicated situation for anybody to be in. Yeah. Um, because public safety is the utmost concern. It's number one, yeah. And we, as as an industry that relies heavily on gathering people together, like there's not really an easy solution to that. Yeah. What we need to see happen, and what what I have not been seeing happen, is our uh, our representatives in Congress taking this seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. As with you know, just what was it today or yesterday? You know, Congress basically threw their hands up and said, oh, we can't reach an agreement, so whatever." And meanwhile, yeah. as every week passes by people are losing their homes people are losing you know their livelihoods they Mm -hmm. can't eat yeah um so i would say get get it the fuck together yeah there's thousands of people that their job is to remain unseen Mm -hmm. and i think that's playing against them at the moment because people don't factor in just how many people it takes to build these amazing experiences for for everybody to come to and that they look forward to every year. Yeah. Um, we need help. This is not, this isn't an industry that dies out and then comes back overnight. Yeah. This is an industry that people, it's a very highly specialized 
uh, set of trade skills amongst all the different departments. Mm-hmm. And if if these these as the vendors start to to fold, and you know these companies go away, and everybody starts moving on to other work, when it's finally safe to gather again, I think you're going to see it in the ticket prices as as the yeah. gouging starts happening because absolutely the competition is not there anymore mm-hmm. um and you know but most importantly there's thousands of people that you know have nothing to turn to yeah so figure it the fuck out yeah absolutely yeah. it's no joke man well, James, thanks for being here. I thanks really, for having really, me. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. I wish you all the best. Um, hopefully, we'll get through this. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you, everyone, for listening to Show Call. To help save live events and the crew that make them happen, Go to WeMakeEvents.org and tell your representatives how important live music is to you. That's WeMakeEvents.org. If you'd like to be on the show, contact us at guests at showcallpodcast.com. That's guests at showcallpodcast.com. If you have questions or would like to know more about what it takes to put on events, contact us at info at showcallpodcast.com. That's info at showcallpodcast.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Google Play. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded every Monday and Thursday. See you next week. WeMakeEvents.org is not affiliated with Show Call Podcast and is not responsible for the views expressed by the show.